Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. In today's episode, I'm speaking with the incredibly smart, service-oriented Luann Gaffney of Balanced Vintage Bookkeeping and Consulting. She shares her best tips on how to prioritize your business goals and work with your ideal clients. She also shares how important it is for you to be okay with saying that a potential client is not a fit. If you're not sure who your ideal client is, listen to what she says about focusing on personality traits as your niche rather than being industry specific in the services you provide. Luann's advice to all business owners is to take the mindset that you should be profitable from the get-go. Also, rest assured, dear listeners, because Luann and I are in agreement that failure is part of the game, kind of like a science experiment. You'll learn from your failures and come back stronger. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Luann and her amazing journey. Luann, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to to get to spend this time with you. I'm happy to be here, Tracy. Awesome. Well, before we dive into your entrepreneurial journey and your very interesting career path, I think you've kind of traveled an interesting winding road to get to where you are now. I like to ask people where they are physically in the world right now. So where are you at? Okay. I am in Greensboro, which is just about the middle of the state of North Carolina. I've lived in North Carolina my entire life, and I've been in Greensboro since I came for college, which has now been over half of my life ago. Oh, wow. It's pretty there. It's really nice. It's a cool town. Mm -hmm. I love Greensboro. We're about equal distance from the beach and from the mountains. So you can go wherever you want to and make it a day trip or, you know, horse stay for longer. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah, that is really nice. I love that ability. We're we're in Chapel Hill, so we're kind of similar, like three hours Mm -hmm. to the mountains, two and a half to the Mm -hmm. beach. And it's, it's pretty nice. (laughs) And there's still lots of trees here. We have the best of all. It's awesome. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to hear about your journey. I was, you know, in kind of preparing for our interview, I'd forgotten when we talked before that you were a school teacher before Mm -hmm. you started your own business. And then I read something about wine. So now I'm super intrigued. So tell me about (laughs) your journey. (laughs) You know, tell us what you do and tell us how you got to where you're at now. So first of all, I was a teacher, did that straight after college, worked for the state of North Carolina. And when I retired, I was only 50 years old and I wasn't ready to actually retire, retire. So then I went to um, wine school, which North Carolina actually has a wine school in the Yadkin Valley. It's at Surrey Community College and got certified as a wine marketer. And I worked with the North Carolina wine industry for a few years and was doing compliance kinds of things actually for the program that I was working there after I finished school. And just, I I wanted something different. The commute each way was a little over an hour each way. So so I went into bookkeeping, um, got training in it and fell in love with it. It's got a lot of the same elements in there. I'm teaching people, I'm educating people, I'm providing a really important service that they need. Just like people need to be educated, they need to know kind of things that, that their financial statements are telling them and have somebody have the time to analyze and interpret that. So currently what I what I like to do is I use bookkeeping as the backbone of a financial consulting and coaching business. I work with small businesses to help them solve things like their cash flow issues, to help them maximize their profitability and really, you know, keeping more of their hard-earned money in the business. And so many business owners don't pay themselves. And so one of the things that I really like is to help them create a plan and strategize to be able to pay themselves a sustainable wage and start working towards that incrementally. A little nugget to pull out. This is important. We really ought to be paying ourselves first. And it's sometimes the last thing we think to do, right? So, oh, I got bills or I've got this or I need to reinvest in the business. And when I reinvest in the business, then it'll grow, grow, grow. But if our needs aren't being met as human beings, we're 
we're not going to be able to thrive. It's actually one of the things that I, I like to turn on its head because it's not that being profitable is something that's going to come in the future. It's something that can happen from the get-go, mm. from day one. Your very first sale, you can be a profitable business if you work with that mindset and work and strategize to make that happen. I did it for my own business and I've seen it happen time and time again. And part of that is including paying yourself. I mean, you know, just pretend like you make a sale for a hundred dollars. Well, okay. Give yourself five of that and then use the other 95 to go towards expenses. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of, that kind of just flipping it on its head and just saying, I'm going to make this a priority. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really important point for people to latch onto as well. Like sometimes well, a lot of times I will encourage clients with the exception of being, you know, within the bounds of the law and paying your taxes, you don't really have to do things the way the paint by numbers kits or gurus will tell you to do. What if you, you know, pull it apart and look at it differently, or like you said, kind mm-hmm. of flip it upside down, mm-hmm. because I think there's, there's gold in turning things around and, and finding, I don't know, I miss things if I don't pull it apart. So when okay, I, when right. I'm looking at my business, I flip it over and I kind of look at it and go, oh, right. That's what I couldn't see you know, exactly. And consulting with experts, (laughs) right. Outside of my, my -hmm. realm of expertise. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I find helpful too, is along the same line is to think of your business as a friend and it's a separate person. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking at it too closely as if it's your child, then then it's it's really hard because like we don't see the, our, the faults in our children. They're perfect little angels. Right, always. Um, and the same <laughs> same is true for your business. But if you look at it separately and you can kind of say, okay, you know, like it's like a friend who's maybe putting on a pound or two and you'd never tell them, but you notice. And so it, it gives you a perspective where you can notice a little bit more things more objectively about your business. And you can go, oh, maybe I can tweak this. You know, it's just another mm-hmm. good way to turn it around and observe things about it. I love, I love that you use analogies like that too, because they're very tangible, you know, for, because mm-hmm. I, I would like to hear about who you work with too, but I would imagine that some of your clients come to you and they're kind of like, here, <laughs> help me. <laughs> you know? And and maybe not able to even kind of think straight sometimes. And that happens with my clients occasionally, you know, they're just like, I'm just so busy. I can't even know which end is up. And, you right. know, this, I know this isn't sustainable help. Yes. And analogies, I personally, I think in analogies and I think part of that, it may just be the way that I always have been. And it may be something that developed during my years in the classroom, but it's just a really good way to help people understand something. If, if you can compare it to something you get already. Yeah, it definitely, I'm sure that some of a lot of that comes from your years of teaching, right? Cause you're reaching people at different levels and, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in a classroom setting, you're reaching lots of people at different levels at one time. So I'm sure that that probably comes pretty easily to you. That's interesting. So who do you work with? I know you work with, with some entrepreneurs, but specifically, do you work with particular kinds of businesses? I work with, rather than having like a specific niche and saying, you know, I only work with say dentists or I only work with um, barbers. What I do really is more of a personality. Mm. And I like to work with people who are similar to me, who, you know, when we meet, we click, we value the same sorts of things. People who don't view their books as just a compliance thing that they have to do for to be legal, that they they want to know the information that the numbers are telling them and then then take that and run with it. Use that to help inform the decisions that they make so they can make better judgments of when is it okay to hire staff or, you know, is this is this really giving me the ROI I thought it would or should I cut it? You know, those kinds of things are are the details are are all in the numbers. I think when you said that you it's a personality thing, this has been a bit of a recurring theme with several of the people who I've interviewed for the podcast Ooh, and cool. yeah. for myself as well. I mean, I tend to attract particular types of clients. Like I work with a lot of doctors in private practice, but when, when I started getting like the best clients and started just really falling in love with them, it was when I got really clear about my values. They don't have to be mm-hmm. the same, but our values need to align that, you know, they think a certain way as far as what they want to accomplish and why, and that they're very connected to that. So I think that this is a really, we're starting to hear a lot of this. So perhaps this is, you know, something that's going to catch 
So for somebody who's listening, who maybe has a side hustle, or if you're struggling with the kind of clients you've worked with, or some guru has said, you have to choose an industry and stay in that, you know, maybe it comes back to values, right? How do we align as human beings? Because when you're working that closely with someone, particularly where money is concerned, because people are very, you know, there's a lot of emotional charge to to money and to business finances. So I think that's really cool. So you probably have a wide variety of clients and yet they're all very similar in like how they show up. Yes, exactly. And, you know, when you are the business owner and you're the boss, there's nothing wrong with telling somebody that they're not a good fit Mm -hmm. because so much of our messaging is, is meant to attract, but it's also meant to repel. Yes. And, you know, I have had consultations before and, you know, at the end of the consultation just said, I really feel like someone else could serve you better. And then the next step is I will connect you with someone else. And I'm in a lot of different, I've got a lot of different resources. So I'll just put it out and I'll say, I've got this person, this is what they need, blah, blah, blah. And then I can make some connections and, mm-hmm. and help them out in that way, even if they're not going to be somebody that, that would we would work well together if that yeah. makes sense. So you're still being of service. I mean, you still get to support them in their business. I think that's, you know, a lot of times when we have a baby business, we take whoever is willing to pay us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and this is one of our greatest learning experiences, at least it was for me, that I didn't have bad clients, but I had clients that weren't, we weren't just, we were not a good fit. And so it ended up being more work for me. And I think they maybe didn't make they didn't reach their goals maybe as quickly or have as much success as they could have because there was something was always kind of a little bit off. When I made that switch, I got, you know, these amazing people came into my life. I started falling in love with my clients in a, you know, professional business love kind of way. And, you know, I think that's really important for our listeners to hear this. Every which way that you can take this is that, you know, you you don't have to be friends with your clients, but it is very helpful if you respect them. And, you know, hopefully you also like them, but you you don't even have to like them, but you respect and kind of, you know, love them. It sounds a little weird in business, but it's been my experience that that just makes the job so much more enjoyable, you know, to be. Right. And, and like the way that they run their business, the Mm -hmm. way they think about things, because there is no one right way to do it, but some ways feel more comfortable, you know? And so if you're going to be a partner with somebody in in their business, and the way they run doesn't really feel comfortable, then that's just not going to be a good match either. Right. Yeah. It goes along with the personality thing, I think. Yeah, too. for sure. <laughs> How long does it take you to figure it out when you're in a, like a pre-consultation with someone? It depends. It can take yeah. five minutes or it could be maybe 30 or 40 minutes into the, into the call. It just, it just sort of depends as you're, mm-hmm. as you're building the rapport and getting to know them and learn more about their why. Mm-hmm. And you know what they're doing. I mean, if somebody is doing it just because they think they're going to make a quick buck and they don't, they're not really passionate. Then they're they're not the kind of person that I want to work with because I want to be passionate about helping them with their business. And mm-hmm. and why would I put more energy into it than they want to? You yeah, know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a really good point. I I have a person that I've been mentoring over the last several years and we went through an exercise because he was kind of struggling with trying to figure out like, I can't, I don't know what my niche is. And I was like, I mean, maybe you don't have one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe because you can be a generalist and still be really good at what you do. But I think what's really important is to decide what kind of people. And that was a huge aha for him. He's like, gosh, you know, I go and I get all these books and I do all these worksheets and I'm like, I don't know. But when he started talking about values and he started talking about personality types, and for him, it was mission-driven and purpose-driven individuals. So it could be somebody who's a corporate mucky muck, but they're a very purpose-driven organization, or it could be someone who's an entrepreneur or a physician. So he's got clients that are run the gamut as well. But once he got really clear about, you know, they need to be purpose-driven and they they come to the world kind of this particular way. It was as if by some magical potion that people floated out of the sky onto his radar. It was incredible. Yeah. It's really cool how that works. I would agree. And I I mean, I've seen that. I'm I'm sitting thinking about some of my clients and the different industries they're in. And a lot of them, regardless, like they might be in something like not really retail, but you know, something that you wouldn't think of as creative, mm-hmm. but yet they really are. They, they think outside of the box. And sometimes when you have a kind of mind that does not go in a straight linear way, 
understanding things like the financials for your business is like really hard. I've got a couple of clients who the way they like for me to share information with them is to make it into a graph because they read graphs so much better than like a spreadsheet. Yeah, that makes sense because it's more of a picture. It's more mm-hmm. a visual. Mm-hmm. Spreadsheet is, you know, skim, skim, skim. Ooh, there's lots of cells. Where's the number? You know? Yeah. And what does that mean? That's yeah. so that's so cool though. And, and this is where I think having been a teacher probably really pays off for you because you you probably I'm imagining that you might have some questions that you ask people to understand what their learning style is before you even start working with them. And if you don't, you figure it out pretty quickly once you do start working with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very cool. So what are some of the industries that you are, you know, where are some of your clients? Um, let me think. I have interior design. I've got a couple of consultants, web design, woodworking, crafts, make your own salsa. Well, not make your own salsa. She, she, she makes salsa and sells it. A coffee shop, you know, just all kinds yeah. of different, different things. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, how fun. Cause what a variety of individuals and, you know, sounds like mm-hmm. a lot of creatives as well. Oh, that's so yes. cool. Yes. Well, I can- it's also cool that when you can learn something from one and then help apply it to another. Mm. Um, I've just started working with um, a wedding and event planner and it's really interesting because her business is actually very similar to some of my um, consultants in a way. And you wouldn't really, I mean, you, you can kind of get it if you think about it, but I was like, huh, it's, it's just, it's really been cool, you know, how things overlap in ways that are unexpected. Yeah. And then you can share how exactly. the connections that you see. Exactly. Support I, them. I think that that's a benefit to the people I work with because I do have experience with industries that are like theirs mm-hmm. or are not like theirs. Mm-hmm. That probably helps you stay really fresh too. I mean, that's one thing that I kept resisting, you know, niching down. And yes, I do serve a lot of doctors in private practice, but I also have like an accountant and, you know, fitness mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. nutritionist and, you know, like they, they run the gamut. But the common thread is that they all on some level enter the world heart first. Right. And right. they're, you know, they look at, they, they're different humans. They look at the world differently, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that, you know, it's very satisfying and gratifying to you, but one, you probably never get bored. And two, you're probably always learning. Is that, yes. am I close? Yeah. <laughs> so you started your business in 2017. So you're rounding the corner into year four at some point soon, right? Have you had have you made any like mistakes that you've really learned from or have you had near misses that really taught you? And what's your biggest learning experience? Well, I think you have to learn that failure is part of the game. And really the best way to think about it is to not take it personally and to make it kind of like to go back to school again, make it like a science experiment. And so you have a hypothesis, you test it, and then you, you iterate and you try to keep improving. Mm-hmm. And the bonus to that is that, you know, you, re- you reiterate over and over. And so you and your business don't ever stop developing, evolving and improving. But that but the, the key is that failure is part of the game. And, you know, some of your hypotheses are going to be proven wrong. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I did, speaking of niche, you know, first thing I did was I was like, okay, I'm not going to have any clients until I'm, I'm going to make sure they're all in this particular industry and I'm going to focus. And it didn't work. Mm. You know, it, it turned out that I couldn't get anybody to talk to me. And so when I widened the net and went for the more personality thing, it started working. You know, that's just one example of the iterations that we make nonstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it constant course correction, right? You yeah. know, like, and the yeah. analogy, speaking of analogies, it's not mine. It's borrowed from a book that I read, but this great analogy is like, if you look at like, like a space shuttle, about 97% of the time it's off course but the home computer is telling it what to do. So it constantly corrects. And, you know, most of the time they end up where they're supposed to be. I think life is like that. I definitely entrepreneurship is like that. You know, we can have, we can have plans. We can have our five-year plan. We can say exactly what we're going to do this time next year. It's an exercise that I do with clients, mostly to get out of our heads and get into the play space. But I think if this global pandemic has taught us anything, (laughs) you're better off not planning. I mean, have an idea, 
but maybe it's 12 weeks or 16 or 18 weeks and that's yes. it as far forward as we go. Yeah. And so we can, we can plan, but the best thing is to just start doing because over time we can adjust. I had a great plan going into 2020 and I had to ditch 80% of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Uh, I agree. It was and, so planned. <laughs> I, yeah. And I found that, I mean, going back to bookkeeping kinds of things, it was really hard to do comparisons against a previous year to know mm. how you were growing because everything was so off the table. What right. was successful in 2020, you know, you just had to re-scrap re and start all over and just say, okay, well, you know, I'm doing okay considering where we are. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you, have you had to talk any clients off the ledge this year? A couple. Mm -hmm. um, I've been really fortunate because none of mine have had to close or go out of business. Oh, that's great. That's Some great. closed, you know, temporarily back in March or April. And, you know, I fear that may be coming again, mm -hmm. but if it does, they've been through it. They were able to, um, to have some workarounds so that they weren't <laughs> totally without income, you know? Yeah. And so, so that not was relying on too. that $2,000 check from the government. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. they were all really, really, they were lucky. And, and I feel like I'm fortunate because, because I didn't lose anybody either, mm -hmm. you know? So, and, and, um, thinking back to when we were talking about the, the year plan and those sort of things, you know, sometimes it takes a lot longer to be successful than you think it will. Back when I first started, I spent so much time networking and trying to meet people and talk to people. And it took a really long time. And then, and my husband at one point says, when you actually get a client, how are you going to have time to even work on their stuff? Cause you're so busy. And I, and it actually was a really difficult transition to go into, you know, how, now how do you balance the marketing versus the doing the work kind of thing? Yeah. But I do think, that's one of the keys to success is that you do have to stick with it mm -hmm. and reinvent and re-envision. And, and to your point, making your plan, you know, you have to, ha you have to have a map to know where you're going. So you have to know your destination, but then there's all different routes you can get there and you can go this way for a little while and then alter course and go the other way. Right. You know, to me, it, it may be like if you go to the mountains to visit and instead of the highway, you take the Appalachian trail for a little while or right. not the trail, but the, the Blue Ridge Parkway for part of your route. You know, you, you're still going the same route. You're just choosing different paths to get there and you can be flexible. Yeah. I think that's really important too, to think about like the, the little memes that float around every once in a while of like success. You know, most people think success looks like this and it's, you know, this straight line from start to finish. And then, but the truth is, is that, you know, here's, here's the start and here's the finish at one from one end to the other. And then it's like up, down, forward, back, loop around a couple of times, you know, crash way down, go way up high, go just rocketing forward for a little bit, drop down a little bit. You know, it's like, it's yes. all over the place. Again, that's life. I think some, you know, one is we get, we're, we get so much ooh, like feedback when we go onto social media and it looks like, you know, all these gurus are promoting their huge Facebook ads and they, you know, they're like, I had a seven figure launch. And you're like, yeah, after 15 years in business, you know, so, but they make it look like, you know, from yesterday to today, I'm able right. to buy a money gun and shoot money all over the place and look at me, you know, meanwhile, they've rented the car that's behind them and it's someone else's palace, you know, but I just think that it's really important for people to hear this, that, it's, it's like you're slogging and you're slogging and you're slogging. And it's not always a slog because you're doing, you know, presumably you're doing what you love. So you're working at it, but you're chipping away at it. And mm -hmm. usually I've had this, all of my clients, I think every single one of my clients has hit this point where there's like this breakdown before the breakthrough, they yes. get right up to the edge and they go, I mean, I've had a couple of clients who are like, I think I'm going to sell my business. I'm like, why? <laughs> you talking about, you know, wait, okay, whoops, pump the brakes. I thought you were ready to grow again, you know, and they'll say, I just don't think this is working. I'm like, mm, it's because the change is really close and you're mm -hmm. starting to feel it. And now, you know, if we go a little, a little bit into the psychology of it, now your ego is going, Oh my gosh, this is bigger exactly. than I ever thought. We got to quit. <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. There's, and so, you know, wonderful hang in there. Yeah. There's yeah. a wonderful meme or picture or something, and it's a guy digging, 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 and he's so mm -hmm. close to breaking through the other side, and then he quits and goes home. And he was like, just inches Like a from. quarter of an inch. Uh, yes, yes. Yes. And that's the way it is. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we get so tired and just say, well, I, I quit. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's all about sticking to it, having determination and grit 
yes. willpower and just keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. And taking a break sometimes. Like, you know, True. you don't you yes. don't have to work, you know, 20 hour days to build your business. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you're building a side hustle and you're working a full-time job, you're gonna have some long days and long nights, but you know it's temporary. Yes. And you are, you know, you celebrate your steps that you take rather than waiting to get to the finish line to celebrate. So you keep your moment, momentum and you can keep your energy up. But yeah, it is, I mean. I'm trying to remember what year really was the breakthrough year for me. I think it was year three. Mm-hmm. I kind of limped along. It was a kind of a cool hobby that I occasionally got some money for, for a while, you know? Right. And then I had an epiphany of how to do things. And thanks to the coach that I was working with, you know, who mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. said, I feel like you're, you're kind of all over the map and you're getting mixed results. What if we made some changes? And I was like, yes, please. You know? yes. And then she told me what the changes would be. And I was like, I don't know. That's really scary. <laughs> It was compressing my schedule, right? So I could okay. keep time open to do other things. So I moved all of my client days. And to this day, I still do it this way with the exception of a few outliers, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's the only days that I take clients. Monday and Friday are for other things where I need a good long run of time and brain power mm-hmm. to get it done. And that's really served me well. I think I in- increased my revenues within like a month by like 40% or something insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had people kind of in the hopper, but because I was able to focus on them, I was able to bring them into my practice and, you know, mm-hmm. actually monetize the time that I was putting into everything. So, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, giving yourself room to breathe, giving yourself time to like recover your energy. Cause if we're going out there desperate or exhausted, people can read that on us and it's not attractive. It's not magnetic. No, desperation is going to repel rather than, rather than attract. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, time blocking, what mm-hmm. you're talking about is kind of like time blocking, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And, and so what works really well for me is to try to block time. Um, unlike you, I don't do, I tried to do certain days for meetings and that didn't really work, mm. but I do try to to work in like hour and a half blocks. And mm. so this block is devoted to client work and this block is devoted to admin or, you know, this block is devoted to marketing and, and sort of thinking in chunks of time. Yeah. And you only have maybe three, three, four, or possibly five chunks in a day, but that's it because you don't have the mental capacity to keep going. I think that's really smart. And for our listeners, you know, to listen to this one is it's different when you're working for somebody else because you may be expected to be like on all the time, but to the best of our abilities to, to do things like that, to block out that time, to focus on the one thing. I don't have any noise making notifications on my computer and the only notifications that I allow on my phone or text because that's how my teenagers communicate with me and phone in case somebody calls me and it's really important. Apart from that, nothing is allowed to pop up. So I check my email most of the time, only at the beginning and the end of the day, sometimes in the middle of the day, if I'm expecting Mm -hmm. something, I'll go take a look, but using, you know, multitasking is like the kiss of death. So even if we think, oh yeah, I'm great at multitasking. Let's just talk about the, you know, the studies behind it and the science behind it is it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get back on task every time we get distracted to do something else. So you might think you're doing the thing again, but your brain hasn't caught up yet. So mm-hmm. even when I was in the corporate world and I had like 200 employees who reported to me through various channels, I got interrupted all the time. And so I had to come up with a system because I'm already, you know, probably undiagnosed adult ADHD, like very easily scattered. And I had a colored post-it system. <laughs> people thought I was crazy at first, but it worked so well. Whatever the last thing I was working on or the last thought I had, I would write on the post-it. Somebody come in, I would give them the like, hold on just a sec. Right now I was thinking, stick the post-it right in the middle of my monitor. That's what I'm getting back to. And then I had a running list of things that I was, you know, working on throughout the day. So I would remember if I started something and needed to stop to go do something else. And I carried a lot of that over into my business because I work, you know, mostly from home. And when I started my business, my kids were tiny. So they were home sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we all need to be aware of that, that, you know, there's only so much time in each day. And even if your business is not running like a well-oiled machine yet, or you're just starting up still blocking your time. There's also something where your brain, this is a good way to use scarcity, right? Where your brain's like, Ooh, 90 minutes. Whew, how much can I get done in 90 minutes? Yes, you can challenge yourself. Focus, right? Yeah. Yes. So you can get really, really focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you taken any trainings that have taught you how to do this or are these tips that you've brought through from your previous careers or how did you settle on this? Because this is very, very good wisdom that you're dropping here. <laughs> 
some is, you know, from reading. I like to like to do a lot of professional reading and go to workshops and different things like that. I went to a workshop about a year and a half ago, and I think that was where I got it from. I think he, the, the leader of that workshop said, plan no more than three hours worth of work in a day because mm. that way you're making sure you, you make what the priorities get done and it allows time for those interruptions that are inevitable. Right. Yeah. Because a client's going to have a question mm-hmm. or your floor people will you know have a question or make too much yeah. noise or yes. whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> Something can happen. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Do you have like a greatest success story with a client, like maybe you really helped them through something that was challenging or because of working with you, they were able to change things in their business, something like that. I like asking this kind of question. (laughs) Well, the people that I've been working with have been pretty savvy. I've introduced Mm -hmm. a lot of them to the concept of profit first, which Mm -hmm. is a book. Yes. And Michael something, right? Michael. Yes. Michael Michaelowitz is the author. And I've had several of them implement that. And that is just a game changer Mm -hmm. because that's how you start being a profitable business. And so that's, that's really fun to me when I do that. So that would be one thing. Um, A lot of times I'll have them call and ask. I had a client last summer call and say, you know, I'm thinking I've got an opportunity to buy buy a building instead of renting and here's what it would mean and and we talked through the various what it would the implications for her for her finances and all this that and the other and it, it helped her make the decision, mm. you know, and, and they're a very fast growing business who even during the pandemic have done great. So it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah. That's so cool. So you get to help them think strategically, right? Instead of sort of like with tactics. I mean, tactics are important, but if we don't have a strategy, there's it's yes. like just throwing darts at a wall with no no intention, right? So it helps us get intentional about what we do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and, and another cool. example is just recently, um, I've got somebody who all of the people they've been paying, they've been paying them as contractors. And actually, according to the IRS, they should be employees. And so I'm helping them get compliant there, get them on payroll. And they thought it was going to be a hard sell for the for their workers because, you know, there's a difference between getting getting paid in cash every week is versus the other and right. they're thrilled. They're oh, thrilled. So that's great. You know, it's been a nice, you know, nice kind of thing too. That's so it, very it's, cool. it's all sorts of things that yeah. I would count as success. You know, yeah. it's all about being in there helping helping to make their business the best that it can be. That must be so rewarding to watch your clients, you know, clearly they're already savvy, but to help them fine tune and, and kind of, you know, up their game, I guess, you know, but to be able to come, come stronger, like for example, the company that switched from contractors to employees, I would imagine that they also at that time must have experienced some kind of a cultural shift within the organization because, there's maybe more security around being an employee as opposed right. to being a contractor. It's a little, bit, a little bit of a different mindset, mm-hmm. I think. And I think when we're talking, because I know you're you're big on mindset, there comes a time too when you're in, when you're a new business owner, when suddenly one day you realize that your business is its own thing and it stands mm-hmm. on its own, and it's separate from you. You know, its finances are separate. It's, you know, the customers that, that it serves, you know, maybe you like them, but they're, they're not, they're not really related to you. They belong to the business. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I had never really looked at it that way, but it's so true. And I I feel like I'm experiencing a paradigm shift looking at it that way. It's like, yeah, it's, it could be an extension of you, but it's really, it's its own entity. It, yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, that it stops being an extension of you and becomes a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- earlier in our conversation, you used the word epiphany. And I was thinking about when was my epiphany? And I don't remember when, but it was just one day when I was like, oh, you know, it, it, <laughs> all of a sudden it wasn't like things that happened in the business were my glory or shame. It belonged to the business, you know? Mm. And you get to be proud of the business, right? right? And when you can be proud of yourself and be proud of Mm -hmm. the actual entity that is the business. And if you're one of those people who doesn't like to brag or talk about yourself, it makes it really easier with marketing too, to be able to talk about things like that because you're not talking about yourself. Right. 
Yeah. And that can be, that can be hard, especially for people whose businesses kind of center around them. Like this is something that I deal with on a semi-regular basis and, right. and a coach or a consultant. Yeah. You are the brand, but you yeah. still have to have that separate, separate out the, the identities. Yes. Cause it's not, I mean, yes, people will say yes to working with me because they've had an experience of me, but that's only part of it. You know, they really came looking for particular outcomes. And so if I can show them what's possible, and I think this is probably true for you as well, if you can show them what's possible by doing this work together, then it's more about answering the the WeFem question, right? The what's in it for me. So if you mm-hmm. can answer that for them and they feel a connection with you, you're golden. Yeah. So yeah. And it's it's I when I first started my business, I had a really hard time about that because I was like, but it's not about me. It's you know, and my coach kept saying, well, you're right. It's not about you, but people are going to have an experience of you. So what you do in your marketing is you share, you know, the, the benefits of working with you. And so it's really not about you. It's not even about your process. It's about their outcomes that they desire and mm-hmm. seeing that you can help them build a pathway to get there. And I would, I would imagine any kind of business service can be oriented that way. Like you don't have to be salesy. You probably just need to show them what's possible and make right. a connection. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. So do you have a, like a sales process or do you find that you kind of just chat with people and they feel a connection or don't feel a connection? And Mm, when I chat with people, it's always about finding some way to give them value. I mean, honestly, in the consultation, I can tell them things and they could go out and do it on their own. But the fact is that most people either don't have the time, don't have the interest, you know, those sorts of things that would rather give it to somebody else, but go ahead you know, think of it like pulling back the curtain and saying, well, here's what I see. You know, it's almost like a diagnosis. You know, I can't think of it. I'm trying to think of an analogy and one's not coming, but to go, to go and say, okay, so, you know, you're telling me that this year you would like to grow your revenue by 20%. I like pulling back the curtain and oh yeah, yeah and pro- so- providing a diagnosis. So when we have the conversation, you you give them a diagnosis, maybe they'll say something like, you know, they're hoping that they can bring on a team member or they want to grow revenue or they want to add a product line. And so um, as part of our conversation, I can give some strategies, thoughts, ideas towards that. And whether they ever work with me or not, it's fine. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's just, I've made a connection. I've been, I've been of service to them and that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah. I can tell that you're very, that you're service forward, right? That this is, Mm -hmm. that this Mm -hmm. is how you're oriented. And I'm sure that's why people love working with you too, because, you know, when we're again, coming back to the thing about that emotional charge of money that a lot of people are just like really concerned about, it feels like exposure and, you know, all that, that, but they understand the importance of working with someone who they trust. And so that you come forward and you're not desperate and, you know, we, I talk a lot with my clients about, you know, in our sales process, if we're kind of detached from whether somebody works with us or not, it gives them the space to make the decision and there's no pressure. I mean, I've sent people away Mm -hmm. and said, you know, seems like you're on the fence. I'll be here when you're ready. Yeah. And you know, that usually makes them want to get back on my calendar real quickly. But I had somebody come back 18 months later and said, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed that I'm coming back this long. And I was like, I would rather have you come to me when you feel like mostly ready to do the work than try to force yourself into something that you weren't prepared to do. Yes. Right. It's painful. It's painful Uh when someone says, oh, I need this, but they don't really want it yet. I'd much rather have work with somebody who wants it. Mm -hmm. Two things that you said that I loved. And one is about the no pressure. Mm -hmm. If if you're, and the other one is forced because really those two go together hand in hand Mm -hmm. and you don't want to force anybody because people need to be ready for the next step, whatever it is, if it's working with a coach, if it's working with, if it's outsourcing a certain part of their business, you know, any of those, you've got to be ready for that step or it's just not going to be a successful next step. Yeah, I agree fully. Well, it seems like you really love what you do and you've found a great niche to be doing at all, but especially during a time when, you know, some options are kind of limited. I mean, you can do this from home. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't have an office in town or anything like that. You do it. Yeah. You know, I don't. One of the things that really interested me in this business from the get go is because it's virtual. I only work in with QuickBooks Online and mm-hmm. I've got clients actually, I have several locally, but I also have them in several states throughout the country. I've got clients, the furthest away is probably Chicago and then I've got it down in Miami. So that's, that's kind of the range um, nice. right now of where I serve. And it's beautiful um, mm-hmm. because I can do it 
if I'm on vacation and I, you know, I need to do just a little tiny something. But the, yes, I was really drawn to this business because it is virtual. When the pandemic happened, it didn't really hit me. You know, the first two or three weeks when we thought it was going to be short lived. Hmm. I was We're like, going to oh, flatten the curve. We're all going to stay home. Right. And I, and I was like, this is business as usual to me. Nothing's really changed except that the people I would normally go see in person, we had to switch to Zoom. Right. And so I was actually teaching some people how to use the platform at mm-hmm. first. Yes. You know, but- mm-hmm. <laughs> Always the educator. <laughs> yes. But, and, and I have found it's really cool because in a way it's, when I would see them in person, I'd print out copies and everybody would look at their own copy and, you know, Zoom or sharing a screen and, and I can use my mouse and touch exactly where I want them to look. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of nice. That's pretty cool. But yes. Yes. Yeah. And being adaptable like that. I mean, we need, again, in life, we need to be flexible, but it's really easy to get kind of stuck in, in, in our ways. But I think that in my observation of the last year or so, the businesses and the people who are thriving are the ones who are willing to sometimes pause. Sometimes they saw an opportunity and went full bore. Some did, you know, 180 degree turns and, but they're the ones who are thriving, who are happy, who are, you know, are willing to sometimes it's course correction. And sometimes it's like a sharp right turn, right. you know, but, but if we can do that, then we can thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's, that's really cool. One of the things that one of the industries that I have enjoyed watching transition so much is the restaurant industry who mm-hmm. went so heavily with the delivery kinds of options. And we have a, a local restaurant here and I've, maybe it was Mother's Day. I don't remember what holiday, but they had this really nice wine dinner. Mm-hmm. And so my husband bought it for me. And what we did, what they did was they had like four or five courses and three bottles of wine, I think. And so my husband goes and picks it all up. And then we get on Zoom and the chef is there. The sommelier is there. All the other participants are there and everybody has plated their own food. And we're having this discussion and they're talking about how the wine paired with the food and this, that, and the other. And it was like, this is such a cool way to adapt. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's and what good husband. That was a really nice I gift. Know, I know. <laughs> it was a wonderful surprise. Yes. Wow, so thoughtful. Like really for him and also for the restaurant to have come up with something like that and still make it special and still allow people to have that mm-hmm. great experience of, you mm-hmm. know, the full sensory experience of of the meal and the wine pairings and stuff. That's really cool. Mhm. Oh, that's so really that's cool. That's been fun to see is those sorts of pivots. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that particular industry has been one of the hardest hit and is in a lot of pain, but but they have also done a really good job of of being creative and getting getting ways to get their product out there. Yeah. I feel for people in the hospitality industry because I do think it's one of the hardest oh, hit yes. industries. Oh, yeah. Those who have been able to to make that pivot and and keep their people and and find a different way, you know major props to them. And I would imagine that even when we're able to go back and, you know, stuff ourselves shoulder to shoulder in places, one, a lot of us aren't going to want to do that. We, we will have become very accustomed to having our six feet of distance. But the other is that now this convenience factor and this other way of experiencing, maybe for people who can't or don't want to leave the house or have some kind of a disability that makes it hard for them to go and enjoy themselves in a restaurant. Now they can still have that experience. I love that. I love that wine tasting meal. That's just very cool. I I do think a lot of the things they have added as a way to cope will not go away Mm -hmm. once things get better. Yeah, I agree. That's very cool. Well, we have gotten to the point where I like to ask if you have some tips for us that you'd like to share. They can be mindset. They can be business. You can share, you know, your, the thing that you find yourself always saying to clients, whatever it is, anything goes. Oh, well, I... I would say, first of all, if you are thinking about starting a business, be sure you research the need for your business. Will you be offering something that anybody else is going to even want? A big flag, believe it or not, is if there is no competition. Mm. Because when, when I got first started, I wanted to focus my business in a specific industry and there was nobody else doing it. Mm -hmm. Several mentors cautioned and said, this is not a good idea. And I was like, yeah, there's no competition. This is going to be great. It'd be great. Guess guess what? (laughs) 
No. So <laughs> learning so, experience number one. Check. <laughs> yes. So, you know, even though it takes time, doing that research up front is the key to saving a lot of time and money, you know, mm-hmm. on the back end. Um, this goes to, you know, with you've got this great idea, but then you need to go out and talk to people who are doing it, people who you think would want it, and just just find out. So that's that's one tip I would really, really want to make clear. And then another one is to make sure that your idea that you've you know, you've researched, checked into is something that you're passionate about because entrepreneurship, oh, I can't speak, entrepreneurship and owning a business takes a tremendous amount of time and energy. And even when you're doing the things that we were talking about earlier, like the time blocking and, you know, having time for rest and, and you know, reju- reju- rejuvenation and thinking again, it's still going to take a lot of time and energy to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing it just to make a quick quick buck, you're just not going to stick it out when times get hard. So you, you've got to, it has to be something that you can eat, breathe, sleep, and you would even do it for free, you know, if, if you didn't need money, that kind yeah. of thing. So, so that's a great point. That's a question I'll ask sometimes. If money were no object, is this still yes. what you'd be doing? Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you have found your ideal business idea, you've researched it, you're passionate about it. Then the third thing is just do it <laughs> because you've got just as much chance to succeed as anybody else. And, or, and, you know, you've got equal chance of succeeding as a failing. And like we talked about earlier, it's just go out there. All right, this didn't work. So how can I change it so that it will? And, this happened to me, and I know it happens to a lot of people that we get caught so caught up in doing things that look like we're busy. It's it's really procrastination after a while. Things like Self sabotage. Oh yeah. <laughs> things like creating your website, getting your logo, coming up with a cute, clever name or whatever. And it's just technique to cover up the fear of failure. So if you've got your idea and you've researched it, just just go ahead. You know, somebody, and I, I wish I could think of who the famous person was, has this expression and where they say, done is better than perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. You can always go back and and do it, you know, better again. Yeah. You can always fine tune later. There's nothing to fine tune if you haven't started. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then my, my very last thing, you know, you've got your idea, you've researched it, you, you're getting started. And then this is the bookkeeper part of me. Then you must go out and open up a separate bank account. There are plenty of banks that don't have a minimum balance and you can get a free account. And even in the beginning, when it's your money anyway, you need to put that money into the business as a donation rather than just writing checks willy-nilly from your personal account. You you have to have all of your business expenses separate from your personal. That's really important from a liability standpoint. And if they're intertangled and you get audited in some way, it's just it's just a nightmare you don't want to have. So, you know, l- later on, you can decide if you want to reimburse yourself for the money that you put in or or just leave it there as some form of equity. But it is really key at the beginning, open a checking account, slide over, you know, seed startup money, whatever you need and spend it from there, not your personal account. Hmm. Sage advice. I think the hardest thing is when you have to go back and account for something when you've not been able to keep track of it or to be able to figure out which is which, you know? And, you know, if you're like me and I'm sure, well, I feel sure that I'm not alone. I can't tell you how many times I had to infuse money before it was sustainable Mm -hmm. to to pay its own bills, but just keeping that in a separate account, keeping it clear, you know, having its own checkbook or debit card or whatever you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so important. Mm, that's really, really good advice. Thank you. Well, how, where can we find you and how can we support you? You're virtual. So people all over the country could work with you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so really email is the most direct way to reach me. So um, you've got my email, Tracy, maybe yep. you'll put that in the, sh- in the show notes. Yep. Um, and also I'm very active on LinkedIn okay. and my LinkedIn ID is just my name, Luann Gaffney, all one word, all lowercase. You can follow my company on Facebook. My company is Balanced Vintage. I named it that because I love wine. And uh, (laughs) in my mind, a balanced 
vintage of wine is one that you really enjoy. It's the perfect mixture of acids and fruits and all this sort of stuff. Well, balanced books are also just a, one of life's luxuries that is so important to yeah. savor and to enjoy. Um, I love but, that. But really, as for supporting me, my mission and passion is supporting small business owners. And so to support me, think about who do you know who's ready to, to delegate their the bookkeeping part of their business? Or who do you know who would do well with an outsourced CFO in their on their team? Mm. Even who do you know is in a financial pickle? Maybe you notice some things. So and that pickle could be in their business or in their personal life. And maybe they would benefit from a guide who could help create a plan to solve the problem. And so, you know, my driving force, what literally gets me out of bed and lights me up is providing peace of mind for people around their finances. Hmm. And so that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I mean, it really is. Your 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 finances are the lifeblood of your business. And if you don't have your cash flow under control, there won't be a business. So true. Very good. Well, we will share all of those links in the show notes. And, you know, once this is up and running, people will definitely know how to find you. I mean, this has been such a great conversation and you dropped a lot of wisdom bombs in there. I'm like, woo, furiously taking notes. So yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, with the new year, we're always kind of thinking about looking at things a little bit differently at the time of recording. We're just after the new year and it's, it's sparked some ideas in me. So I'll be, I'll be loving to like, listen back and, and rethink and retool a couple of things in my own business. So you've helped me as well. Thank you. You just made my day, Tracy. Ah, see all this love. It just goes round and round. (laughs) Well, I really look forward to one fine day. I have a feeling it might be like the end of this year or early 2022 meeting you in person and giving you a huge hug (laughs) and having lunch together and probably some wine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sure will. Yeah. Wait. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Luann. It's been a real pleasure. All right. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.